0: That's noo to sign up today.
1: What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast. you more Pitching Podcast from pitchwells.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today is September 19th, and yes, we are going to talk about baseball. Connor Phillips, seven innings, two in runs, three. It's one walk-in, seven Ks. Oh, boy, what a nice start against the Twins. This was third, and we'll be starting to do well in his second one. And I'm not that much of a fan. What? I know, 96, 97 on the heater. He had a sweeper at a 54% CSW, and that was really it. I mean, maybe some solid curveballs in there was like a 5 for 8 for strikes. I feel like this is the Wasker rule. That is, I think that Connor Phillips at most has a great slider that I don't really believe in. I don't know. The sweeper, we've seen it not be that consistent before. And the four-seamer does not get whiffs. 5 over 61 is an 8% swinging strike rate. And without that being a big whiff pitch, I... I think it's just not that great. And the sweeper, I don't know if I can really buy into. So at, both, uh, at most, at best, at most, he is a cherry bomb. Uh, I don't know if he can be trusted in in 12-teamers, monitor the matchups moving forward, but I don't think this is your major pickup in Connor Phelps. It could work. I just wish I liked the fastball more to be along the lines of those Hunter Green and Spencer Strider types. Uh, you have Adam Wainwright making his... Oh, making his start against the Brewers and finally getting win 200. I'm going to do a video watching this entire start in honor of Adam Wainwright's career. And just he deserves this, you know, seven innings, zero in runs. I'm just so happy for him. They finally got it. It was such a struggle this year. We're going to do an honorary video for him. So really excited about that. Check it out on the YouTube channel today. Uh, we also did Carlos Rodon yesterday, which was really cool, too. Um, You have Brian Wu against the Oakland Athletics. Got the win five innings, zero in runs, three hits, four walks and six cases. This is great. We saw the good four-seamer, we saw a solid sinker inside two right-handers, and he did not have secondaries that I liked. And now he gets some Rangers twice, and those are questionable starts, so be careful there. Uh, Mike Clevenger, complete game, one earned run against the Nationals, got the win. You know, four of his last five starts have become, actually all five of those have been against bad opponents, so bad lineups. And the one he didn't do well was the day after nobody claimed him off of waivers. So I can understand mentally him not being quite there. Now, I do want to mention, this is great. You have 13 left, 30% C, 109 pitches, 7 strikeouts. I get it. Changeup was well located. Same with the slider. Four-seamer was just kind of in there, and the Nationals just knocked it into outs. Here's the thing. The Nationals are so bad, and he gets the Red Sox in Fenway, which are elite. And then he gets the Padres. Way different competition now for Clavenger. I... I don't know. If you want to go with it because he's just been that hot, I get it. If you want to Vargas rule it, fine. I'm personally not going to. I, I think there are just other options to go for instead. I just don't think he's that good. But then again, yeah, you know, nine innings, one in run, even against bad teams, you still have to do that. So do what you want there. Uh, Jordan Montgomery, this is a wild one, against the Red Sox. Seven innings, one or run, five hits, zero walks, eight strikeouts. If you remember last start... Jordan Montgomery had 16 balls in play on sinkers with a really bad changeup, decent curveball, and that's how he got through that one. I think like one strikeout or something. 21 whiffs for a 42% CSW for Jordan Montgomery. Earned a golden goal. I don't think he's ever earned a golden goal. And this was because his curveball had 14 over 37 whiffs. That is insane. Absolutely mental. That's like a 40% swinging strike rate. He was so precise with this curveball. I I have to say, it's awesome watching a game where a guy just is so locked in with with a secondary pitch. It's just on demand. He just throws it. And when you have a really good secondary pitch that you can spot, it is impossible as a hitter. I mean, really, it is just absolutely impossible. This is why guys who were able to put that slider down and inside to the batter, it's just... Always going to be a whiff, right? And Drew Montgomery pretty much did that. It was really cool. Uh, I don't expect it to happen again. Also, the changeup was fine. <laughs> um, but this was cool. And that's that's nice. All right. Uh, Jose Budo continued his nice stretch here. Six innings, one in run, four hits, one walk in, six strikeouts. I don't know if I can trust him against the Phillies twice. You know, this was the four-seamer going straight down the middle for the most part. And then... Being way out of the zone, uh, changeup was sporadic. The slider was somewhat consistent. I mean, he got enough strikes here, and the, uh, uh I mean, I just don't, I don't want to trust this. I know it sounds great, like, oh man, this little sneaky thing I've had with Jose Budo, great, cash out now because I do not trust him against the Phillies twice. Zach Wheeler last start four innings, looking great. Five five innings, fifth inning against the Atlanta, uh, Atlanta team in Georgia. No. Did not work out for him, right? They destroyed him in that fifth inning. He got his redemption. Zach Wheeler, because he's an ace, you start him. It doesn't matter. Six innings, one to run, three hits, two walks, five Ks. Why did I even put you in probable? I don't know. I shouldn't have. Zach Wheeler's four-seamer is just so unbelievably good. And I cannot emphasize that enough. His four-seamer just churns outs. It is the greatest foundation pitch I think there is in the majors. And I don't say that lightly. It's truly remarkable considering I don't love his secondaries. It's better than Woodruff's. I think it's better than Strider's because Strider has a ridiculous slider. And Wheeler just is so good at this. Now, there's also the Singer 42% of swing again that also helps with it. I mean, we're talking double-digit whiffs again. It is so stupid good. Uh, Freddie Peralta against the Cardinals, he was opposite Wano, so he didn't get a win. He got a loss. Six innings, one to run, but ace is going to ace. Kind of strange to see two over 43 whiffs on this 4 seamer. However, 11 called strikes, and then you're going to go, oh, this is why CSW exists. I'm like, exactly right. This is actually how I realized that CSW was a thing, because there would be guys like Peralta who didn't get whiffs on a pitch that they normally get, but then they would have a ton of called strikes, and that's just the batter's not swinging. You know, they just elected not to swing at it. Okay, that's not Peralta's fault. They just—he still got strikes and still good. So, this is why CSW matters, and uh, yeah, it's starless like this that kind of remind me of that like 2017 moment I had looking at the Savant game feed and going, "Oh, maybe if I just combine these numbers." Okay, Ever Cabrera against the Mets, 5.1 innings, uh, one earned run, four hits, one walk, and four strikeouts. Good to see this with strikes from Cabrera across the board curve and changeup we're much better in this one, we should be fine in final two, I believe it's the Milwaukee Brewers, and then an easier one again, uh, yeah, we do that with Cabrera, John Means against the Astros, five innings, one earned run, four hits, three walks, and just one strike, and how am I supposed to butter my bread with this, we'll take this against the Astros, sure, the whip is 140, not ideal, but one earned run against the Astros, yeah, one strikeout, or whatever, that's really solid for us to see that, Now, he gets the Guardians next. I don't think that Means' stuff is all too exciting. Like, he's a Toby right now. Means, when he was killing it, was doing really good things with his four-seamer upstairs and then change-ups, also getting whiffs. And neither of those are really doing that right now. The uh, slider and curveball were also things that we got excited about for development purposes. And obviously, John Means is kind of back to square one when it comes to that. So, it's more about 2024. I'm very curious to take him at the end of drafts as kind of like my innings toby there's no reason in my head that they're going to limit john means next year we'll talk about this later but i really do feel like they're just going to push him as much as he can like he's ready to go uh and i think a lot of times they, we say like oh after tommy john we can't throw them the next year I'm like, no no they will let him go especially after he's been throwing for a month in the minors now and then also has this month in the majors so he already has two months of like recovery season. And then they're just going to be like, yeah, just go every five days, John means. So we'll talk about that one later. Um, And we're going to talk about everybody else uh, from yesterday's games and talking about today's games
0: as a preview and tomorrow's games. And we're talking about all that after this break. Fads come and go and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. So Cutter Crawford against the Rangers killed
1: it. Six innings, two in runs, four its zero walks, and seven Ks. And what was cool here is Cutter with a K. Was away and glove side a lot. He really spotted it there. It was good to see it. Only 18% CSW, but it did earn some outs. I mean, two of his hits actually were off of the cutter. Uh, one was like one that was way out of the zone. I'm a surprised that it got hit, but the other one was some damage. However, I I love the fact that his sweeper and curves, um, you know, were, were thrown more often. And I really do think that uh, that cutter Crawford could be something different. If he did lean on that that curveball, I actually should say the slider, not the sweeper. Um, if he leaned on those pitches more, I, I think that those are actually like truly fantastic pitches for Crawford, and we love his four-seamer. And the cutter is a helpful pitch, but it's not really that elite, and uh, I think those other ones are. And the cutter, I think, is used more as getting strikes and being that kind of mix-up pitch, and that's fine. You need to have a secondary pitch that you trust for strikes. is isn't necessarily dominant. But I think the curve and slider can actually turn into that. So I'm very curious to see what happens in the offseason there. I'm also very curious to see what the Red Sox do this uh, this offseason. I imagine they have to be going for something um, on the pitching side. So it could be uh, in many ways that they can answer that question. He gets the White Sox next, uh, Cutter Crawford. Um, that's uh, that's obviously a start I think we're going to do in the probable start tier. Cal Quantrill came through as our Toby against the, the Royals. And this is wild. Think about Cal Quantra for a moment. If you guys... You know, my dream is that everybody listening treats pitchers like I do. Where, as I talk about them through the year, you guys have your mental states, too, of what they do, right? And Cal Quantra, what is his repertoire? Pop quiz. How does he get his outs, guys? Well, if you're a Toby, basic one like that that I don't love, generally that means you throw sinkers inside a right-handers. And you have a pitch, a secondary pitch. It's for Cal Quantra. It's a cutter that you get strikes with, okay? And... That is what Cal Quantrill's done for ages. We're talking like since 2021 where everyone's like, oh, I think Cal Quantrill's a real big thing in the second half, and that worked out, and in 2022, he kind of did it again, and it's been so strange. This, 15% sinkers and only 8% cutters. It's just 23% between them. 77% otherwise, splitters and curves. What? You do like 40% splitters? It was like, it's been like an 8% splitter usage this year, maybe a 10% curveball usage. I don't, I don't understand why. I don't get it. It worked. I, I I don't get it. He gets the Orioles next. Who are you? He's the unquantifiable. Whatever. Uh, no, I'm not doing that one. The, the Orioles are better than this. And like, even with this new stuff, like the splitters weren't even down. They were just like in the zone. I don't get it. I think I think Quantrill got to the mode of realizing that he could throw a splitter for a strike that day. I guess that's why he did that. He just wanted to experiment. I don't know. Three strikeouts though, and like you're not doing this against the Orioles. What a weird thing. I, I mean, I get so excited about that because it's something brand new from a guy doing something different, having success with it. But it's not. It's not overwhelming success, right? This was 5.2 innings of 200 runs, five hits, zero walks, three Ks. Like it wasn't just, oh my gosh, you're doing these amazing things, and now now you're a new guy, and that's great. This was just so strange. Um, we have Michael Waka against Rocky Road getting the win. Five innings, 200 runs, five at zero walks, six Ks. That's what you should do. And now, you know, now you get like one of the best schedules there is. The Padres entire way through are just great now. So all Padres pitchers may be safe for Pedro Avila. But honestly, if he has an opener, then he's surviving the fifth. You might still want to do that as a sneaky win. Same thing with Nick Martinez, whoever is opening or following there. Nick Martinez should be starting in. So dominant and whatever. Um, Justin Verlander against the Orioles. Six innings, 300 runs, eight hits, one walk. That means it's a very poor quality start. Exactly. Five um, Ks there. Very disappointing in this way. Honestly, Verlander does a really good job of commanding his stuff. The thing is, the stuff is worse. It's worse than it was two years ago or before Tommy John, right? Um, and when uh, even last year, it was worse. We knew this and we were expecting some degradation this year. We've seen it. I do not want to be in on Justin Verlander next year. I imagine he's going to go relatively high. Honestly, I haven't actually spent much time thinking about Justin Verlander this year. 344 ERA, 117 whip, 21% K-rate. That is a Holly. I mean, debatable Toby, even. Uh, and, you know, if he has two bad starts the rest of the way, it's like 3-6 ERA with a 120 whip and a, a middling K-rate. Actually, it's 106th. Among all starting pitchers who have faced, uh, who are in the top 200 of batters faced. By the way, that's how we do our PL uh, website stats. We do uh, all of our qualifiers are among starting pitchers across the top 200 batters faced. Not like the normal qualified pitchers, because for fantasy purposes, who cares? Who cares if you have 100 innings pitched this year and you're in qualified pitchers 130? You still want to know that? It doesn't matter. So, uh, yeah, Justin Verlander. I mean, I told you he won't have a 25% strikeout rate this year. That's you yeah. know. Anyway, we're just going to keep starting the rest of the way. Who cares? Uh, Lance Lynn against the Tigers got you the win. Five innings, 3 runs, six hits, two walks, six cases. Four-seamer was great. Everything else wasn't. Welcome to Lance Lynn. And that's how it is, and he has good matchups the rest of the way. So we're just going to keep going with him, hoping that he's under three hundred runs instead of hitting that 3 runs and continues to get us those wins like he did yesterday. Brady Singer is a cherry bomb. Last three starts have been bad. Um, he was in such a good rhythm. Sliders were such good locations. But then the singer command was a little bit off. Um, he doesn't jam enough guys inside. Um, I'm going to see if I can actually reach out to Brady Singer and be like, "Hey man, you're, you're relying too much on called strikes and not trying to jam guys with it because if you have such good movement with it, and instead of doing the glove side Aaron Nola approach, you really should be jamming. And then when you get uh, when you get deeper, then you do the slider. But whatever. Uh, in this situation, he went against Cleveland, didn't do well. Four and runs, uh, 10 base runners, six innings, four and run, four Ks. It's a cherry bomb with arm fatigue too, and he had the the gap because of also paternity leave. The whole thing is just uh, not great. So do not go with Brady Singer. I just don't want to do it. JP Sears, I, I I continue with this. If you remember from the beginning of the year, I called JP Sears the Eric Lauer, uh, Eric Lauer 2022 being repeated. It's the same thing. It really is. I mean, Eric Lauer had some more peaks. I would say of those like random 12 strikeout games. But for the most part, when you look at the strikeout rate around 21% for JPC, you're like, oh yeah, that's kind of what it is from the left side. You don't really know what you're going to get. Now, he didn't do well against the Mariners, but he's going to get some good starts um, the last two games, I believe, um, as I went over every single matchup the rest of the season yesterday. If you missed that article, go check it out. It's what the list is now. I went through all 13 remaining days, including Tuesday, today, and said, okay, with these expected starts... This is where they would rank, and I also went through the team schedules. So if you feel like someone else gets replaced or it gets moved, then you actually have a reference point to be able to mentally change that yourself. Uh, so JP Sears gets some gets the Tigers later on, and I'm circling that one. I want that start with JP Sears because I feel like that's going to be at least six strikeouts, if not more. Um, and I think it's going to be a solid outing for you. Uh, Joe Ryan is doing weird things. He's against, he went into Cincy, which isn't actually that bad, honestly. Uh, the Reds, we don't even split them up away versus home because they just not, have not been good at home despite a great American small park. And it's five innings, four runs, five hits, three walks, and five Ks. I feel like Joe Ryan is going to be much better next year. It does remind me of like... Remember our love for Matthew Boyd in 2019, it was, where he was so good in the first half and then it was just so bad in the second? It feels like that with Joe Ryan because he's doing great things with his four seamer still, but the secondaries are just not there. And the splitter has become the thing for him, but it's not your traditional splitter. Think of just, he's just getting strikes in the zone with it. Splitters to me should be utilized never as called strike pitches. Um, I actually wouldn't be shocked. I, I'm looking this up now because, uh, and if you're wondering, how am I looking up this stuff so quickly? I'm just using our list player pages. If you guys aren't using those for your pitcher research, I don't know what you're doing. I made these for myself so that I could do this stuff. He has 85th percentile in called strike rate on a splitter, which is not shocking to me in the slightest. His zone rate is 91st percentile, and that's only a 41% zone rate. But, I mean, that's still high relatively for a secondary but you don't want splitters with high called strike rates. Like 10% is 85th percentile, right? The league average is 6.5%. The league average for a zone rate for a splitter is 30%, right? And he's at 41%. And Joe Ryan's splitter is it's kind of like his secondary strike pitch. And you don't want that. Splitters in the zone are actually pretty easy to hit. Uh, I it, it's, it's more about being deceptive as a, like it kind of acts like a forkball then, right? You don't want this. So Joe Ryan, I feel, needs to find something in the offseason, and he will. He works with driveline. That's why he had the extra velocity this past year and an improved fastball. And I feel like they're going to go to the well and be like, okay, we got to find you a cutter. We got to find you a better slider. Maybe I I think a gyro slider would be the thing for Joe Ryan personally. But, you know, maybe he doesn't do that well, and that's okay. That's why they went sweeper. So maybe even a sinker that he then nullifies right-handers with. I don't know. Uh, That would mean that then if you use that against right-handers, you need to throw the cutter inside to to left-handers. Something else, because I don't think it's a splitter. Whatever it is, I have faith that Joe Ryan will figure it out in the offseason. In the meantime, he's against the Angels... And yeah, I'm going to do that. <laughs> All of that to say, like, yeah, if you have Joe Ryan, you're just going to keep holding on to him right now. Okay. Kyle Wright against the Phillies, four innings, four in runs, five hits, four walks, and five Ks. If you listen to the On the Corner podcast uh, this morning with me and Eric Simulski, you'll hear me say uh, that Kyle Wright did. Uh, I gave you live analysis and I watched it, and it pretty much was exactly what I thought. Um, With Kyle Wright, where his curveball was much better. It was not good in his first start back from the IL. This was his second start against the Phillies. The Phillies aren't an elite offense. So we don't really care about the results here. Because, yeah, I mean, it's the Phillies. He gets a much easier time against the Nationals, I think, twice to end the year. And Kyle Wright, all that matters is, do you have your curveball that you can trust? And he did. He threw a really good curveball yesterday. A lot of them were down and much better commanded. And honestly, I would say that when it comes to command that I've seen in the past from Kyle Wright with his fast four seamer and his sinker, much better in this one. So I actually buy this. He's at 78 pitches here. And now he'll be at 85 to 90 against the Nationals. I think I'm in uh, for Kyle Wright. Probably the start, the top of questionable, I would say, redoing the streaming rankings. Because, I mean, you never know. It's That's the tough part about me doing those rankings before this extra information, but this was good. This was very encouraging, and he might be available on your wire. So Kyle Wright, after these two bad starts, people are like, oh, well, never mind. No, he gets the Nationals next, and that actually could be something cool. By the way, Eric sounds so good in that podcast, doesn't he? Oh, man. I, I love it. Uh, I'm really excited to be working with Eric Simulski, and um, I'm really also excited to do a format that's not just like going over the streaming rankings with them. Uh, I'm really starting to plan out how we're doing our offseason stuff. I'm going to try and convince them to do, uh, as I do my top 200, do a 1 through 10 um, on uh, I'm pretty much through the off season. I don't know how many podcasts I can squeeze out of them, but I would love to do just an overall like just as many as possible for you guys. Because I think that is really like the true analysis that will carry us through the entire off season. is just breaking down every single pitcher. Uh, and just having a great time with it. Okay. Yowana Don against the White Sox. Five innings, five earned runs, nine hits, two walks, and five strikeouts. Don't go with Yowana Don. Ty Block, don't go with Block. And uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, very disappointing against the Dodgers, but... It was the Dodgers. Don't start him against the Dodgers. You're going to get a much better time in the future for Eduardo Rodriguez, as he's going to get Oakland um, next this weekend. And then, of course, it's going to be the Guardians after that. That sounds great to me. So, yeah, don't worry too much about Eduardo Rodriguez. Looking forward to today and tomorrow's starters. Today, we have Luis Castillo, Blake Snell, Zach Gellin, Spencer Strider, and Yusei Kikuchi. Yusei Kikuchi is my auto start against the Yankees. I liked his slider last time. I think his slider command is still really good there. The curveball is looking good. Fastball has improved over the last two months. We all know how good Kikuchi is. I know it wasn't good against the Rangers, but that was the Rangers. Now, I have said that the Yankees are really good against left-handed pitchers, and maybe I am undervaluing this because of that right? Maybe I am essentially saying, look, it's about Kikuchi and I should be more worried about the Yankees against lefties. Yeah, I'm doing it. Um, probable starts here. We have an opener for Ryan Papilla, which actually might be good because that means he's more likely to be in a scenario where he could get the win after the fifth or even sixth inning now as he gets the Tigers. So clearly we're going with that one. Kenzo Maeda's splitter and slider have been looking good. He's in Cincinnati. Cincinnati doesn't scare me in Great, great American Small Park like they used to, so that's cool there. Logan Allen's a clear play against the Royals. And Taj Bradley, Uh, is my stream pick of the day against the angels because it's the angels and if you're going for strikeouts I mean come on how could you deny this and there's a decent chance that he gets both a win and hopefully has okay ratios it really does depend on on how many strikes he throws but I hope that the angels make it easier for him and more confident to throw those curveballs and cutters inside the zone for strikes questionable star tier is massive 14 guys good luck uh, Hunter Brown against Baltimore, Cherry Bomb. Clark Schmidt against the Jays, didn't do well in Fenway, because those are good guys, good, uh, good guys. That's a good offense in Fenway, who knows. Um, I'm going to go with Clark Schmidt for the most part, but yeah, good luck. Jays, I don't know how tough they are. Braxton Garrett against the Mets, he was better last time. Not amazing, but he was better in the Mets, eh, not so bad. Javier Side hasn't had his cutter for two straight starts. Is it going to be there? I don't know. It's against Pittsburgh. I feel like, considering it, everyone else, it's just so unbelievably questionable here. Javier Sada, at least the chance at him doing well against the Pirates and getting that cutter back. I think that's a decent chance relative to everything else. Because everything else includes Alex Cobb with his hip injury and not really being consistent with his splitter. Even though it's Arizona, like, what are we going to get from Alex Cobb? Tanner Halc has a great slider. I don't know about everything else. And he gets Texas. Drew Rom just did really well with his four-seamer at 90-91. And it's the Brewers, and that's just so weird, but it's a cherry bomb. Okay, fine. Cal Gibson's a poster child of a cherry bomb against the Astros, so who knows? Christopher Sanchez just got 10 strikeouts against the Atlanta Braves, and it was all with his changeup. Slider wasn't very good. That's not going to repeat itself, right? Uh, Nathan Ivaldi against the Red Sox. You might say, oh, no, what? Evaldi's lower velocity and his... uh, you know, his pitch counselor, well, it was around 73, 78 pitches, I think it was, in his last time, which means he's up to 80, 85 here, which means, yeah, five-plus innings should be in the books for Eovaldi. The question is, how is the quality? I don't know, because he was at 93.9 last time. That's not good. So, yeah, I'm a little weirded out by that one, but I could even see an argument that he should be above, say, Drew Rahm here, or even Tanner Houck um, for this one, so... Keep that in mind. I think we have Nathan Evaldi. We're probably going to lean to start him here. Uh, Patrick Sandoval against the Rays. Is he going to have a slider and change up? I don't know. Billy Falter against the Cubs. I hope it works out. He has not gone long in games. But the last start I really do like. He went four seamers and sinkers upstairs. And then got everything secondary down inside the zone. Which was really good. But it's the Cubs. Joey Lucchese against the Miami Marlins. Uh, he <laughs> survived with all these sinkers in play. And I don't understand... Uh, I, I just don't understand that it's that simple. I don't understand. Uh, so <laughs> you got, I got very lucky with that. Probably not going to happen here. Um, against tomorrow's one, maybe he does again. I don't like the chirp. Uh, and then you have Colin Ray, not Adrian Hauser going tomorrow. He has an opener. Maybe he does steal a win for you against the Cardinals and the do not start tier, You have Paul Blackburn against the Mariners. I was really tempted to put that in questionable, but I just feel like Paul Blackburn against the Mariners. Mariners are really good. Uh, is just too risky, not enough of a reward. There's a chance that Alc Marsh comes through against the Guardians. is a very sneaky play as he has an opener. As he's gotten a decent amount of strikeouts, it's a good sweeper, but then there's nothing else, and that breaks the Wasker rule. And the Guardians don't really strike out much, so not a huge fan of that one. Also, it's a pretty limited ceiling, especially with the, the ratio side and the win side, really, and the Royals are just ugh. Bad defense and just bad management. Uh, you have Jose Arreña, never start Arreña. You have Ben Lively, probably with an opener. No, thank you. I'm really excited to see that Ryan Feldner's back after taking a comebacker and just terrifying moment. And now he's starting again. That's just a really cool thing. Jackson Rutledge is terrible and you don't want to do that now because should have an opener against the Dodgers and I just don't want to do that. Of course not. Uh, we have tomorrow's pitchers, Kevin Gosman, George Kirby, Kodai Senga, Logan Webb, Merrill Kelly, Bobby Miller, Justin Steele, Hunter Green, Yuri Perez, all in that auto-start tier, pretty clear. You have Seth Lugo, obviously, against the like, Rocky Road. You have Lucas Giolito, fresh off of a 12-strikeout game with an amazing changeup, and he's had that changeup 40% usage in four of his last five starts, really upping it and feeling it. That's great against the Royals. Aaron Saval against the Angels. You have Bailey Ober in, in Cincinnati, as we've talked about. Uh, Kyle Bradish gets the Astros kind of tough there same with Michael King against the Jays but I think they're just on too good of a roll both of them to not start him there With Brian Bayo against the Rangers I know he just had an amazing 10 strikeout game but he hasn't done anything new with his slider and his four seamer so whenever I see those big moments of amazing strikeouts I ask why like what changed it was really just getting the most out of his sinker and his changeup okay that's not really uh, a new plateau that sounds like a peak and it's against the Rangers if I saw that his slider all of a sudden was a brand new amazing sauce thing, then like, okay, maybe now this is really good. That's not the case for Brian Bayo. Wade Miley against the Cardinals. He's sure, it's gonna be like five innings of two and runs. <laughs> Redemers gets the raise. He had a new changeup last time. Really big em- emphasis on it, I should say. Maybe there's something there. Um, as Reed Demers has been mostly a three-pitch guy of four seamers, sliders, and curveballs, and that changeup could be a difference maker form. him. I'm very curious to see how that goes, but it's against the Rays, and I don't want to do that. Aaron Nola is a cherry bomb, and he gets Atlanta. Oh, boy. Uh, Christian Javier has been a cherry bomb against the Orioles. You have Zach Thompson against the Brewers. I kind of like what he does. It's four-seamer, curveball cutter, but he has the shag rug, you know, the, uh, the young man's floor that is a rookie with more volatility than more experienced guys, and I just don't know if he's going to be in rhythm here. You have Bryce Elder against the Phillies. We've seen him in the past uh, make this work, but I don't want to do it against the Phillies. I mean there's a chance for six innings and a win. That's why he's in questionable start. Uh John Gray, um, against the, the Red Sox. He has not been himself. He has not gone four innings in in the last two starts, it's been bad, and I don't buy it. And normally, when we see him do what poorly for two starts, it means that it's going to be bad for the third one. He goes on trends. That is, he's super hot or super cold, and looks like he's super cold right now. And Josiah Gray against the White Sox, I just don't like anything in his repertoire. I don't think he has a good approach to make this work. Um, but I do recognize that if his slider and his purple are working, then maybe he can make this worthwhile, as he does have the long leash against the White Sox. Do not start here. You have Reese Olsen against the Dodgers, as it's Alex Fayeto today, which means that's Reese Olsen tomorrow. Um, yeah, not a, not a fan of this because it's the Dodgers. If it's Tarek Skubal, I'm going for it. Um, someone just got upset at me on Twitter that it's not Tarek Skubal, but I think it's Reese Olsen. Uh, if, if it's Reese Olsen as the Dodgers, I don't want to do it. If it's Tarek Skubal, we're going to do it. Probably, yeah, I'd say bottom of auto start, honestly. Like, he's an ace, Tarek Skubal. Uh, Jesse Schultons against the Nationals, um... He has the chance, but he hasn't pulled it off. And Chase Anderson, no, thank you. Joey Estes is making his MLB debut for the Athletics. I looked him up on Savant. By the way, it's Quinn Priester and Zach Rankin. We're not touching those. the so last one here is Joey Estes. Um, I looked him up on Savant before, uh, before this podcast and writing the notes for this. So he throws 93, 94, and this is me just pulling it off from one game. This is the last AAA game. This is this is the most prospect analysis you'll get from me for the most part. I usually don't do anything, okay? So at least now you got something from me. Um, and this is my takeaway from it, is that I really liked his approach. He's throwing four seamers elevated and then also low, and he actually did a good job in that game to avoid the heart of the play. And that's a skill, right? That I mean, obviously, it's going to go in and out. I don't believe it's going to always be there, but at least he has that ability to do that, which is cool, which means that it's not really the most overwhelming fastball. It's 93-94, but he's keeping it low to steal called strikes and then have a changeup and slider underneath. And that's cool. And then two strikes and elevating it, as I believe he had six whiffs in that game on that fastball. So that's a nice approach with it. Generally, command guys are not the ones to chase. You want to go for more stuff, guys, and hope that the command figures itself out than the other way around. I also don't know how long Oakland's going to go with this. If you remember, we had um, uh, Joe Boyle uh, go only three innings when he made his MLB debut, right? So I don't know how much they're going to really trust him here. I love the fact that the Athletics are just kind of throwing all their young guys here as kind of like their early spring training battles. And we're getting a look at these guys, and that's really cool. I don't think that Joey Estes has that ceiling. Um, I didn't see any double-digit strikeout games in the AAA. Um, I don't think he's necessarily going to go five, six innings here. It's just not really worth it. But, hey, this is going to be fun to watch. All right, that is it for today. You got a long one today. You're welcome. I don't know if you really wanted it. But that is it. So my name is Nick Pollock, and may your babbles be low, and you strikeouts high.